and welcome back to another episode of Business is Pleasure. Thank you guys so much for joining us again for another episode. My name, of course, is John L. Francis. I'm with my lover, my wifey for lifey, slash business partner, Colette. If you guys have not already, please subscribe and like this video so we know that you care. So please go and share. Colette. <laughs> One of the things that I enjoy the most is communicating with you, understanding how you're doing, where you are, emotionally, physically, and most importantly, business-wise. <laughs> how was your week, babe? How, how are you doing? I think we had a fantastic week. Yep, yep. We had yep. a very, very exciting week. The beginning of my week was a little bit hectic mm -hmm. because we were preparing for our event in Montreal, SneakerCon. And I was just making sure that everything was like organized properly, you know, going to all of our wholesalers to get, make sure that we had enough stuff, enough clothing. Um, just making sure like the logistics for the event were all set up. Yeah, just running around, but it all paid off because we had a fantastic amazing, event. Amazing, amazing, Fantastic, amazing. we met lots of new people, we sold lots of stuff, which is obviously the point. Um, and yeah, it was just a great weekend. It, it was nice, man. I think also, too, because um, we've been doing events back to back to back now, is that we're like almost hitting this groove where we understand what we have to do. Yeah. And it's more so like automatic for us, right? It's like right away, you, you'll be like, okay, John, I'll, like, I gotta go to one wholesaler on Monday. We gotta talk to our supplier for the off white. We also gotta go to our other wholesaler as well, too, right? Mm -hmm. So it's nice how we're just like combining everything so smoothly yeah. and efficiently. We're like doing a little tango. Yeah, yeah, that's what it's all about. It's about moving and grooving. Moving and grooving, you know? So like for us, I think it's nice that we're finally getting like a good systematic approach when it comes to our sales and doing things like that, right? Yeah. So like one of the major things that I think that I really want to talk about this week, hey, where, where's the stuff? Oh, it's right here? Oh, I'm blind, my bad. Um, was just that like, how we've been able to like be definitive, be definitive in the events that we do choose to go to because before, when we first started out this business, we were all over the place. Remember the Bendel Bonanza? So we did this event. <laughs> so we did this event, okay? Mm -hmm. It was called Bendel Extravaganza. Yeah, Extravaganza. Bendel Extravaganza. So I guess it was supposed to be kind of like a fun fair type of thing mm -hmm. where like moms and dads would bring their, their kids. It was on like a weekend, so they bring their kids that went to the school to have like this like fun fair event and like we we're hoping yeah like we we're hoping that they buy a bunch of stuff whatever mm -hmm. and like this we, this event made sense to us at the time because we were going off of the mindset that our demographic was moms yeah moms wanting like affordable clothing for their kids yeah exactly that exactly. was like literally our like mindset so we catered towards like moms mm -hmm. overall we set up yeah. <laughs> i think we sold one thing well, f, f that no we did we sold one the mm -hmm. whole crew neck yeah okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. The white one, the white the white one. one. yeah yeah, yeah. we that. sold one thing mm -hmm. and the whole time where they're like getting at this lady like you'll call her stupid stuff across like, i'm not gonna buy your stupid stuff she has like old toys mm -hmm. like the oldest toys that like nobody wants anymore Yo. just like laid on the floor like not even like on a blanket mm -hmm. like just like on the ground mm -hmm. like Whatever, she was just sitting there, and like people come by, she'd be like, Yeah, $10, $5, whatever. By then, they cashed not, out. Cashed out, not one toy left. Cashed out. <laughs> no. <laughs> we're, we're like, Maybe we should go to the toy business. Like, <laughs> trying to change up our plan. We're and sitting there packing away every single, single piece, piece of every brought. single piece of clothing. It was just 
But as much as it was like so demoralizing at that time, I think it was good for us to experience those things so we could realize like, no, we cannot like continue going to these types of events. And this isn't our demographic. No, like the moms no. don't care about our stuff. Not not at all, not at all. They don't want our stuff. So that's why it's nice when we go to a place like SneakerCon, when we go to a Vintage Depot, or when we go to the Toronto or Auto Vintage Clothing Show. It's nice because we understand our clientele and our demographic. Mm -hmm. and. We're actually able to bring value to them. We know what they want. We know yeah. what they're looking for and everything, you know. Yeah. So it's, it's really, really nice, you know what I mean? And one of the things that we were, we were just talking about is one of the best ways or one of the only ways that you can really make money or increase your wealth mm -hmm. is by bringing value to someone else. Yeah. If you can bring value to someone else by either providing them with like a product or service that they're looking for that makes their life a little bit easier or just stuff that they really like or enjoy like off-white or vintage Tommy Hilfiger, vintage Adidas, mm -hmm. Nike, whatever it might be, you're creating value for them, you're providing a need of some sort for something mm -hmm. that they're looking for and then that in turn gives you more wealth. So like, I think that's always the focus for us mm -hmm. and it's just become all the more clearer now that we've actually tapped into our correct demographic with these events because we're seeing that turnover right in front of our eyes. We're seeing that like, oh, like this is what I want. Okay, pay for it. Okay, thanks. Bye. Like, like, you know what I mean? It's a simple process. And, and it's nice too, right? Because like now we're starting to realize the potential of how much money we can make. Yeah. But even within saying that, right, what price points are you do you like selling at so we can get like an ideal profit from things that we do sell? For myself personally, like I believe that you know, we all work hard for our money, you know what I mean? Like we all either do something that we love or something that we hate to like support ourselves and like get a little bit of like extra money on the side, whatever mm -hmm. it might be, right? So like myself personally, like I don't feel comfortable like overpricing things mm -hmm. just because like I want to make a higher profit margin because I know at the end of the day that person is, is, is either one, not going to buy mm -hmm. that product mm -hmm. or two, they're gonna feel like they got cheated out of like, you know what I mean? Like they bought a windbreaker from us for say like 50 bucks and they saw the same windbreaker from someone else for like 25. You know what I mean? So like I never, I never want people to leave away like with a bad taste in their mouth. So for me, like I would rather not like diminish the market value, but just price conservatively within the market, even maybe like $5 less than like what the market is saying just so that I can make sure that I'm in some way giving them some sense of value. And I think that really speaks a lot of volume in regards to our actual mission statement. That's what we always wanted within this company. I think initially we were unsure what type of products we should be providing. Yeah. We've been able to figure out the products, but one thing that hasn't changed is the pricing at modest price points. Because exactly. it sucks for us to be like, yeah, like, yeah, we're gonna sell this for that much. We're gonna do sell that for this much. But then we have the potential to lose a customer. They don't see the value and like always coming back to us. Yeah. If we're essentially just like building holes in their wallets, you know no. what I mean? And that's not the point. And like the point is is to, you know, provide some people with something that they actually want at an affordable price, no yeah. matter what. Yeah. At the end of the day I know And we still make a decent And profit. we still make a profit. Yeah. And I know this isn't a charity. No, it's, it's not, not a charity. <laughs> Sorry. And I know that if I price something a little bit lower, one it's gonna sell faster mm -hmm. and two, they're more likely to buy two, three, four of that item as opposed to just one because it's priced so overpriced. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think with me, like I, I forget where I heard this, I may be incorrect so don't quote me is that with any business, the minimum amount you always want to make is 10%. Yeah. 10%, you know what I mean? So with my mindset, I try to like think about, okay, 
how can we at least make like 20 to 15 percent yeah. on whatever we get right yeah and i think that we've been able to even um like really even like surpass mm -hmm. our own standards of like those profit margins yeah. and it's good too right we're still able to be successful at running this business while bringing value to people yeah. so in all in all it's just like we're going in the right direction and i think like we, i'm sure we've talked about this in previous podcasts but i think we're also we're really focused on like cutting down our bottom line so that we can provide a good product at a reasonable price to the people that like our stuff you know what yeah, i mean yeah definitely like we're not just going to be like oh like it costs this much to ship so we're going to jack up our prices like this much because we still want to make this same amount of a profit margin we're like okay how can we figure out a way to get cheaper shipping mm -hmm. you know especially for those international buyers who go from like the uk and like other parts of europe and stuff like that that like our stuff but to ship there through other means like say canada post for example it's like double the price whereas now we found a different avenue to ship through that's like so much order. better and i think that's what's so important about business and remaining adaptable is that we're figuring out like hey like this way the thing the way that we're doing things isn't the most sustainable so how yeah. can we cut some of these costs one to help us then in return help our customer yeah and i think that's what's really important is that if you're not constantly maneuvering around the business figuring ways to cut costs figuring ways to find new products figuring ways to help your customer it's very likely your business is going to fail yeah you know what i mean and like i feel like for me at least like personally like when i feel as if like I'm helping someone, even if it's just like, you know, getting them like a jacket or a shirt that they really like. Mm -hmm. When I feel like I'm helping someone, like that's empowering to me, mm -hmm. and like that, that pushes me forward. That that pushes me and propels me to continue doing what we're doing and to continue striving to be better. Because like, as small as it may be, like I'm putting a smile on their face, and like that makes mm -hmm. me happy. And know? it's crazy too, because like when you think about it, essentially what you're saying is like you're only strong as your community. If we're going to diminish our community and force them to pay like these ridiculous prices, we won't have a community. No. Like, we can't help people and we can't help ourselves. No. So it's nice that we leave with the ideas like, okay, like, how can we, yes, like, provide for ourselves, but bring value again to other people? Of course. And I like, feel like I'm oversaturating that word today, right? And we are. We are. <laughs> but at the end of the day, and also, too, we're speaking from, like, our own perspective and, like, our own business strategy and model. So for, like, some people in the vintage community, they may want to, like, jack up their prices for whatever reason. And if that works for them, cool. But, like, yeah. for us personally, we like, understand, like, this is how we wanted to go about things yeah. and this is how we're going to do exactly. it. Exactly. And we've been able to do that for the best, but for the longest time, right? Yeah. I think even aside from, like, profit margins and everything, one thing we've always been focused on is, like, spreading the risk. So we have numerous apps that we work on and everything. But yeah. I think one issue is that's like, I'm happy that we've been able to have multiple apps to sell from. Yeah. Is that now we're having issues with Facebook all of a sudden. I don't know where. Yeah, I, I think what's like, what initiated that was their whole data scan that happened. So they're yeah. cutting back on a lot of things. But so, we're not spam Facebook. Like, yeah, yeah. please, mm -hmm. please. So in our previous podcast, I'm sure you guys have heard that one way that we saw a lot of clothing is actually through apps. So apps like let go grail bump kijiji instagram yeah. and one of the top ranking apps for us has been facebook mm -hmm. we get a bunch of sales from there because we interact with different um different pages and different groups and maybe for the last like two three weeks now we haven't been able to sell anything on facebook yeah but when we took a look at the insights one person one person and that's us we're the one person looking at the product <laughs> you know so what we figured out what's going on facebook i think sent you a message saying like oh this is considered spam yeah. you're not able to post in those groups anymore but like it's weird because uh we're still a part of the groups obviously yeah so we'll see other people post in the same way that we do mm -hmm. 
and like I can see it so they're obviously not considered spam we've emailed Facebook like probably like four or five times now asking like hey guys what's going on yeah is so anyway like we can fix this is there any way we can go about it no response we've like like removed ourselves from the group then be it like made a request to be re-accepted still doesn't work so we're just we're just kind of at a loss mm. right now to be honest but as much as we're at a loss it hasn't like ruined our business no and like that's because we've been wise enough to realize like hey like, we have to spread the risk yeah. we cannot only depend upon facebook imagine facebook was the only market that we were distributing and selling clothing through we, our business would have fallen yeah we would have fallen down so much you know what i mean so it's nice that we at least have the awareness to understand like hey like we can't only depend on this one avenue we have to like again spread the risk on that goal mm -hmm. doing instagram you know do mm -hmm. youtube do so many different things because mm -hmm. with all those variations it gives us it gives us more possibility for success and less of a possibility for failure a a exactly you know what i mean mm -hmm. but i think it's good that we're doing that as well it's like what we talked about like we should have more than one supplier for like the hype beast stuff that we have you know mm -hmm. we should have more than one supplier for the vintage stuff that we get and everything you know yeah what I mean? which we do mm -hmm. but i think like and like I feel like that's just a natural instinct to be like I want to feel secure. So for me, it's like okay, this is working out. We have tons of off white coming in, but what happens when off white isn't popular anymore? No, not even that. But yeah, yeah, to a certain extent, that is what. What happens if like that supplier is sold out of everything and we have an event coming up in two weeks? You know, we need to have another option just in case as like a backup for that possibility you know what mm -hmm. i mean and then the same thing with off-white i feel like i'm constantly like my subconscious mind is like constantly just like twirling trying to figure out like what's the next thing what's the next thing what's mm -hmm. the next thing because like trends are trends they only last for so long right yeah so yeah. like everything's gonna have an expiry date so i'm constantly thinking okay like what's coming next but i think like when it starts to dwindle down we'll know yeah because you have to look at the numbers i think right now we're at a high point when it comes to like the yeah. vintage and the high clothing yeah and if you look at our counting numbers yeah lap, since like january everything has gone up right yeah but at the same time i feel like vintage is a little bit more of a staple mm -hmm. Just because, like, there's been a whole vintage community around before we started our business. Yeah, and the thing about vintage too, it, com it encompasses so many different groups and so many people. As and well, there's so right? many different types of vintage yeah, as well. Like, there's like basically like anything. There could be vintage from the 1930s. There could be vintage from the 1940s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. And there's like 90s streetwear, even like early 2000s. Like, think about it. In like the next couple of years, like 1990s, gonna be 30,000. Not thirty thousand. Thirty years ago. You know what I mean? Yeah, so like yeah. so like Oh, I'm almost thirty. Oh. <laughs> oh. It's okay. Oh. So like the idea of vintage is like constantly changing, so I feel like the timestamp on vintage isn't as like like what's the word? The timestamp on vintage it isn't as like indefinite or definite, I guess I would say. Yeah. It isn't as like, okay, this is where it ends. Mm -hmm. Whereas like hype stuff, like off-white, supreme, babe, I feel like that is more of like an even flow yeah, type of thing yeah. where there's going to be a point where it's at the height and there's going to be a point where it's like, ah, I don't really care for that anymore. And then maybe they'll have like a resurgence like yeah. baked it. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, but I, th I think as a whole when it comes to like these type of like trends in fashion, because essentially that's how I see them. I see them more sort of like trends and fashion, not necessarily yeah. style. Yeah. Over time, the pie chart of like these hype brands mm -hmm. they're gonna get smaller they're not gonna totally disappear no no no. let's say there are a million people interested in it maybe it's gonna do it down to the thousand 
than yeah. 20,000. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? I think there's still going to be in a community that's always going to be interested around it, but mm-hmm. it won't be as popular as it is now. And like, sometimes I get like so anxious about that idea. It's like, yo, like, when is this going to die? What's going to happen when we have like 80, 80 pieces of off-white and we cannot get rid of any of it? You know what I mean? What's going to happen when we have 100 pieces of 90s vintage and we can't get rid of any of it? You know what I mean? So it's, it's always in the back of my mind because like we have to be prepared for things like that, right? And be ready to like, hey, like, should we change up our distribution strategy? Should we like maybe just like give the clothes away? Like, what are we gonna do when certain things like that happen? But I when, think we would be conscious of that before it happens, and we wouldn't have that much inventory sitting on hand. Yo, I would hope so, man. Well, Remember those London fog jackets? Well, not hope. Don't. <laughs> Remember those London fog jackets? If you want a London fog jacket, let us know. <laughs> for the low. No, for for free. For the low, low, <laughs> you low, can low, take low. it. So it's one thing I realized. No, like, but back to what you were saying before. Don't say I would hope that mm-hmm. you know. At the end of the day, like all the things that we're doing, we're preparing for that day, mm-hmm. so that we're prepared for it, no, so that we're not negatively affected when the market does change, mm-hmm. and we do have to adapt. We know how to adapt. We know how to change our our, our strategies and our tactics mm-hmm. to cater towards whatever people want. Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't think that that would be an issue for us. We just need to get it while it's still hot. And yeah, like, man. We're within. Yeah, we're in the market, so there's no reason why we wouldn't see that. Yeah, and we definitely would, man. We definitely would, and I think like. That's what I like about us so much. I remember we've had conversations off camera, and I was like, I think one of our major strengths is pattern recognition. We're able yeah. to see what's happening around us, really like analyze it, and then really like extrapolate it into our own business and see how it actually works for us and everything, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that's important. I think that's one tool every business should have. Mm-hmm. It's like, realize what's going on, use it to your advantage, take it from there. And I think we do that every, like, all the time. We do that so often. Like, mm-hmm. even when I, when I go to the warehouse and start this podcast. Yeah. And there's a reason why we, we started this podcast, right? No, for sure. And like, even when I go to the warehouses to pick and stuff, like, I know what to pick because I know what's good and I know what's hot and I know what people want and what people like. So it's like, I feel like we're always like conscious of trends and we're always conscious of like, what are people interested at that particular point in time. And that's something that we've gotten like, when we first started, we weren't that good at it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we were basically picking for our own taste. Yeah, and that was where the problem was. Yeah. That's where the disconnect was. Exactly. We were picking for, like, what are the things that we like as opposed to what are the things that our demographic likes or our market likes. You know what I mean? So I think, like, we've had a really good... We, we have a, a better understanding of that, which is why, like, we know what to buy now. Like, we know that, like, windbreakers do really well for us at pretty much every event yeah, that we go to. Yeah, despite if it's a hype event or a vintage event. Yeah, regardless. They do really well at... Why do you think that is? Why do you think like the windbreaker is something that's like so transcendent from different styles, different eras, and different events? Um, one, I think it's like multi, like it's it's season friendly. So like you can wear a windbreaker in the fall. You can wear a windbreaker in the summertime. You can wear a windbreaker in like the winter time if you're like inside or something like that. Like you can. You can pretty much wear it like at any season and like I feel like a windbreaker is also like a really like true staple of like vintage. Mm. You know what I mean? Like a windbreaker is something that like you could look at a windbreaker and be like, hey, like that's definitely from like the nineteen nineties. Whereas like uh like let's say like a Levi's denim jacket, which like still does really well, it's like a staple, but you won't necessarily know like whether it's new or whether it's old. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? No, definitely. So I think like 
a windbreaker is kind of like that in your face, like, yeah, this is vintage and I think why the windbreaker does so well like just the silhouette and the structure of it hasn't really changed from like the 80s up until now but when you look at something like jeans where they fit you the way they were in the 90s extremely baggy extremely long and things like that but with the windbreaker it's had a consistent silhouette that everyone's been able to enjoy and also it's like what you're saying it's so multi-functional you know what I mean you can wear it to the gym you can wear it to go out with friends you can wear it Virtually over anything, you know, you can wear it to work, you can wear it out for drinks, you know, yeah. it's able to like go from different social settings so smoothly and effortlessly. Yeah. And also, the thing to what I really like about the windbreaker, it has the ability to like be so different. You can have a windbreaker with a hood, and you can have one without a hood that can be like a bit more dressy, one that's a bit more sporty. You know, yeah. so you, you can like really play around with the style and everything. And also like the patterns too. Like yeah. you can have one that's more simple. You can have one that's a little more extravagant, mm -hmm. little like different tricolors and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So it kind of like can speak to a lot of different styles, which is why I think like the Wonder mm -hmm. Girl pretty much always does really really well. And it's also like unisex. That too, and also it's um it's not age specific. For instance, if you if you think about a suit, you generally think about an older person, like you know what I mean, someone more like age and a bit more character or whatever okay. but the windbreaker i've seen every demographic every race every sex wear a windbreaker no that's like, true. you know what i mean like skirts i'm not wearing a skirt <laughs> i'm sorry i'm not wearing an a-line skirt yeah <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> um but but for me i think like some of my favorite brands when it comes to like, windbreakers when it comes to like just any type of clothing at, at all i've always been like a huge fan of adidas and like adidas a huge fan of Adidas and like sports attire and stuff like that. So it's like I, I I've realized that a lot of the demographic that we do with they like Adidas. They like the three stripes. Yeah. And also um Levi's jackets. I think that's a brand that's like works really well with the older and the younger yeah, demographic like as well. If you're, if you're getting it for me like personally if I'm picking a denim jacket it, it has to be Levi's. It's not I literally maybe guess maybe guess no like maybe I literally guess. like maybe like a Calvin Klein jeans mm -hmm. but. Not often. It literally has to be Levi's. And it has to have the the the, the tab. Le leather tab in the back yeah. and the tag on the front. Like if not, you're really superficial, eh? No, I don't. <laughs> I market it sometimes. So we're just catering to that. Yeah, that that's so true. Um, some brands that I really like too that that like started this business has introduced me to that have made me like open my mind more. Mm -hmm. Carhartt. I'm someone. Yeah. I'm someone that really likes well structured classic pieces that I'm 28 now but when I'm 40 there's a potential I'll still wear yeah I don't see myself wearing this jersey swagging out the way I am when I'm 50 when I'm 45 you know what I mean <laughs> maybe I will but I highly doubt it Your dad yeah you know what I mean no I'm gonna be fit forever don't do that um so <laughs> so, so 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 the denim jacket I could always see myself wearing it even when I was in high school I'm rocking a denim jacket you can't go wrong with denim and then the Carhartt jacket, I really like it, just the, the, the silhouette. And again, it's just like great quality, great structure. And it's just classic. It's just classic. I'm not, I'm not really big on branding and like things that are overly outlandish. So mm -hmm. to have like a nice, quiet, simple piece, uh, oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah, same. I feel like I feel like a lot of the brands that do well, it's, it's mainly because of the quality. Like, yeah, like people like Levi's jackets because it's Levi's. But like when you pick up a Levi's jacket, you can literally feel the quality of the denim. I know this is gonna sound weird, but the one thing I love about the Levi's, especially like a really really good made one, is when you try to unbutton it, and it's so hard to unbutton. It's like I it's hate so that. stiff. It's like ugh. That's, but that's when you know it's like it's made really really well. I actually like when I when I when I first started picking, 
I used to pick with like gloves on. So I'd have gloves and I'd be picking. But then I started picking with bare hands, specifically because of um, Levi's, because I felt that it was faster because when I was picking, I would feel the quality of the denim mm -hmm. and like nine times out of 10, I'd pick it up and it'd be a Levi's. That's crazy. That's yeah. crazy. And I like it how we've become so good at like identifying quality and also identifying authenticity. Because yeah. I could literally look at like a vintage time machine and be like, yeah, that's fake. Yeah. Like, oh, this isn't real. Yeah, no, there's, there's been like numerous times where like I've seen people wearing stuff mm -hmm. and I can tell from like a good distance away whether it's real or fake. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But again, I think it just goes with us like figuring patterns, yeah. realizing and analyzing things and be like, hold on, something's a bit off about that. Like what's yeah. going on here and everything, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. It, it's fun though, man. Like I, I do enjoy thrifting because like the whole nostalgia aspect of when it comes to thrifting, it's nice to be like, oh crap, I used to have this when I was a kid, or like someone else can like really appreciate it. Even if I may not like it, bring value to the clients and like, you know, give them some happy memories. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I feel like I like it because I feel like I'm literally digging for treasure. That's that's exactly what it is. Yeah, like I feel like I'm like like searching for the pot of gold at the mm. end of the rainbow. <laughs> you know, I'm just like digging through and I find the Levi's and it's like, I don't know. No, definitely. I'm being really dramatic right now. <laughs> and speaking of pot of goals, I think we've not come to the end of our podcast. Mm -hmm. um, is there any last words or any last things maybe you want to add in before we say farewell? <laughs> what does it have to do with the pot of gold? Because with the end of the rainbow, we reached to the oh, end of the podcast. Okay, okay, okay. Babe, I'm a journalist, eh? Okay. That that segment that I did was really good. Though. You didn't get it, man. <laughs> no, if I didn't no, get it, you're not it wasn't good. good. It wasn't you're not good, good. <laughs> man. You're not good. You don't pay attention, yo. Okay, whatever. Don't worry about Claude, guys. She's a hit. <laughs> well, guys, thank you so much for joining us and listening to us blabber on. Please like and share so we know no, that. You care. Okay, guys, so until <laughs> next time, peace. You're a hater, honey. You're a hater. <laughs> you don't make those steps. <laughs> you're a hater. You're, you're, like, you're the one who's like, you're